From the Captain's Quarters podcast is brought to you by Captain Coop's Beard Company. All your beard oils, your beard balms, your beard butters, and now throwing things down in the CBD world with a CBD body butter, a CBD lotion, a CBD tattoo balm, and Tortuga, our personal lubricant. Check everything out at CaptainCoops.com. And don't forget, you get 10% off with the promo code PODCAST at checkout. CaptainCoops.com. Speaking of CBD, you got to check out my friends over at Apiron Northfields. They cover all of your CBD needs, including everything from tinctures to body creams, treats for your pets, and their D9 gummies. Legit. It's a must. You go check out their website, ApirionNorthfields.com. It's the From the Captain's Quarters podcast. I am uh, your host, Cooper, CEO of Captain Coop's Beard Company. Uh, excited to be joined today by uh, Josh Patterson of Off the Grid Surplus and to hear his story because it's, I don't want to say every entrepreneur who, who starts a business goes, everybody goes through trials and tribulations when they're, when they're trying to launch their own brand of anything. Uh, but, but yours has so many crazy twists and turns, and I want to get to all of them. But uh, but first off, uh, thanks for being a part of the show, man. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. Um, love it, man. I, when I saw you reach out, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. So I looked into the show a little bit, and so I'm excited. I, I mean, it's always fun uh, talking business and, and just connecting with other people in the community. So super stoked to be on. Yeah, man. I want, I want to talk a little about uh, a bit about you growing up. Uh, have you always been... Uh, because I know you're in, you have your hands in so many different, you know, different pots and kettles all over from, from King of the Hammer stuff, <laughs> you know, to the apparel company, to, to, you know, the off-road and overlanding kind of lifestyle. Has this been like something that you've, that you were raised in? Did you, did you fall into it? How, how did you become so, uh, off the grid as, uh, as the brand <laughs> so perfectly states? Sure. Um, I mean, I was raised going to my birthdays in January. So San Diego in January, you always had like Mickey Thompson's off-road races, yeah. monster trucks, supercross, uh, tractor pulls, all this kind of desert, not desert, but like racing and off-road kind of uh, stuff happening. And, and that's just what I did for my birthday every single year. It wasn't even like a question. It was like, where are we going this year? It's like, well, what's in town? Supercross, monster trucks, uh, Mickey Thompson's, like, where are we going? And then watching like early desert racing, you know, Iron Stewart and Walker Evans and these guys and um, growing up in Escondido, it was only like an hour and a half to Ocotillo Wells mm. um, and Glamis. And so we did a ton of that as a kid. I was just always outdoors. Like I was an ADD kid. My parents were divorced when I was young. And it was basically like you get home from school and mom's like, get out of here. Like you go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And so it was skateboarding, BMX, like building dirt jumps, building ramps in the front yard. Like whatever I could do to just, I like needed that adrenaline. Yeah. I, got, I got into wakeboarding too, um, really young, like back when it was like scurfers and, you know, right when it first came out. And that was something that I loved. Um, that was a huge passion of mine going to the river every weekend with my dad and connecting with him on that and just going, being in the sun and, you know, catching air. I love anything where I can do something where I'm getting air, jumping or, you know, <laughs> adrenaline rush. Like I was always in. So, and then that morphed to, you know, going to the desert, uh, all the time. So it was like river season, right. Summertime and then desert yeah. season in the wintertime. And so that's kind of how we flowed. And then I would be surfing and mountain biking and BMX, everything else in between skateboarding, you know, snowboarding, snowboarded a lot growing up. Um, I was just always around action sports growing up in Southern California. That's just kind of what you do. Like it's everything. And so 
got got super lucky um, and was able to get my first gig at 20 years old at Rip Curl. Um, and that's kind of how the whole journey started on the product um, and design side of things. It just kind of spiraled from there. How important, I mean, to, to, to be involved, like like heavily involved in all those things when, when they really become kind of the fabric of, of who you are, especially as you grow up um, and, right. and it becomes a continuation. Like for you, how important was having a true understanding of uh, adrenaline, doing shit that can get you hurt like at any <laughs> at any moment? But 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 right. also but also understanding that that is that is a legit lifestyle that is uh, that needs to be catered to and you yeah. know for a long time not, not that there that always hasn't been brands that catered to to that brand of lifestyle but but really put thought and effort and understanding into no they need this particular style or this particular cut or this particular look for this purpose like how important yeah. was it for you to be entrenched in that you know as it from a child up to, to really be able to incorporate it into some of the things, especially early on that you were, you were part of helping design. Sure. Um, I think the biggest thing where you see kind of fashion and function meet up, you know, is in either like snow sports or, mm-hmm. you know, surfing or, or wakeboarding, things like that. Um, where, or, you know, even gear you make for motocross, mm-hmm. um, because that is where, you know, that technicality, those features are, you have to have those to be functional, right? And they've, they've grown over the years to really understand, you know, the, that functionality, you know, a lot of the skaters and stuff, there's, it was more fashion than really function right. for a lot of them. I mean, until, I mean, stretch, I think when people started putting stretch in bottoms, um, that became a like half to, right. um, and it's interesting because I remember the transition. Um, I was at, Quicksilver, I remember the transition from when everyone was wearing baggy jeans to like the, the slim fits, right? Yeah. And a lot of people think that that was really part of the fashion. Um, and the, the, the crazy thing to it as well was shoes actually drove part of the reason why that fashion changed as well. Um, because everyone was going away from the big bulky skate shoes right. and going back to the vans, you know, vulcanized, these slim shoes. You couldn't wear those big baggy pants anymore, right? You had to slim your pants up as well, or they'd, they'd just be all over the place. So it's, it's, it's been pretty wild to be kind of behind the scenes for so long, um, where you can see trends develop, you can see things coming down the pipe. Um, and so it's pretty wild. And then, so from there, I mean, I was so focused heavy in action sports. And so a lot of the function came in, in the board shorts and things like that is like, it was two-way stretch and then four-way stretch. And then I think Hurley had like an eight-way stretch <laughs> with like, and then it was laser cut, seam sealed seams and like no stitching. And well, it's actually good to have some stitching because it's stronger. Yeah. So um, it was cool coming up like during that time and seeing that innovation. Um, and then also kind of as I got older, transitioning into the outdoor um, scene, um, when I was at Prana um, as well, and like even when I was at Quicksilver, um, they bought Rosignol as a brand. And then they, a lot of people don't know, but Quicksilver started their own outdoor brand as well called it was Quicksilver Equipped. And so I got to hang out with a lot of really good designers that we had brought in um, that that would talk about like this innovative stuff that they had worked for, like North Face or some of these other big outdoor brands, um, and see them really come in and and how they dissect products and 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 that's where I think I really saw the functionality and kind of pairing like, okay, I love the off-road lifestyle. Like that's kind of where once you get older and I I can afford, you know, a Jeep now or a truck or whatever, 
and I can get out in the desert and ride dirt bikes or whatever. Um, I also, I didn't want to have to have like a uniform, right? That was the thing right. that always drove me nuts was it's like, oh, I got to go put on my off-road uniform or now I got my work uniform. Now, I got, you know, it's like I wanted something I could wear every single day that would still function um, and do whatever, everything I wanted to do in the outdoors, mm -hmm. right? So we would go to Ocotillo Wells. We would bring firearms with us. We would bring whatever, you know, and you're digging trucks out, you know, you're climbing in the rigs, you're mm -hmm. climbing into buggies. And then we go out as the sun goes down, go out to the train tracks and go shoot. And so I wanted pants. I liked the tactical features that had, you know, mag pockets and mm -hmm. functional pockets and stuff that, <clears throat> excuse me, you can put all your tools and things in, but I didn't want it to look like a security guard, right? I didn't want to look right. tactical. I liked, I liked the workwear style. I liked like pretty casual style, everyday wearable stuff. And so that was the fun part for me with off the grid was figuring out how to combine those things, right? Of like everyday wearable, but then super functional. And, and I think that's what a lot of people appreciate about what we do. And your, your, your story, you know, coming up with that, you know, that concept, you know, at, at what point, because obviously you're, you're, you're gainfully employed, you're, you're a part of, you know, the great organizations that you mentioned, brands, and, and really it's, it seems like working with people that had a real solid understanding of the clientele that they were serving. Like for what, was it for you, was it that when you talk about going out and, and wanting to have the tactical, you know, pockets and stuff with the look and it was that the beginning of kind of off the grid but knowing that it didn't it didn't launch like i have this idea and boom look at now i have my own business it, it, it started off as right. a side hustle like how many how many years progressed that you, you from concept you know the idea to okay maybe there's maybe there's something here that could lead me into my own world and, and obviously a better understanding of the you know the clients that you're super serving right right um, so at the time I was working for FMF, right, which is a motocross brand. They were at this company called La Jolla Group was kind of licensing the brand. And so I got to work with them and we were launching this moto line with them. And even in that, you know, it's like a lot of times when you're designing for brands, um, especially on the wholesale side of things, right, where you're, you're designing products to then sell to a store. <clears throat> and so with that, you kind of have to fit your stuff into these buckets, hmm. right? Like, oh, well, I know Macy's is going to want a plaid button-up shirt and uh, Tilly's is going to want, <coughs> excuse me, a, a mesh tank top, right? That was kind of a thing back then. Yeah. And then they're, they're probably going to want a black chino short, right? Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like you were basically just creating all the same stuff everyone else was. It was just your brand you like maybe, you know, you need colorways and then you're, you're labeling. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that always drove me nuts. Number one, <clears throat> because there was no innovation. And then number two, we weren't specifically thinking about the consumer and what they needed or wanted. Right. Right. And so I wanted to create, and I never saw a brand support the off-road community. Right. If you go to a Jeep, you know, you got an ultra four race, right. Or yeah. you went to even like a lowers race back in the day that, you know, the Lucas oil off-road racing series, mm -hmm. um, or there was core, right. There was all these, or you go to best in the desert or more, any of these off-road races, it's Fox mm -hmm. metal militia. Um, one industries back in the day, I worked for them. Those guys are pretty rad. Um, you know, <clears throat> it's a lot of moto brands. 
there was no apparel brands there. I mean, maybe Big Belly Crew, right? Yeah. Some of these other guys um, where it was more t-shirt focused than really like a lifestyle approach to off-roading. And that kind of drove me nuts. And so I was like, you know what? I, I'll create a brand that supports this group um, that designs products specifically for these people and, and go from there. And I was driving home from work one day. <clears throat> I lived in Escondido forever. And I always worked in Orange County. So I commuted, you know, three hours a day for oh. 14 years or 15 years. And so I had a lot of time to think every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be plotting and planning. And <clears throat> one of the days is when the name hit me, you know, driving home, like off the grid. And I was like, oh, shoot, I like that. Yeah. You know, it's not so specific to one thing. It really makes me think about all the other things I love to do, like even going snowboarding off the grid, yeah. like going on a mountain bike rides off the grid. You know, so it wasn't so like <clears throat> niched up that I couldn't, you know, I didn't want it to be like off road or overland or, right. you know, so generic, like so focused on one thing because I believe it was bigger than that. Um, Cause I've worked for massive brands. Right. And I've seen kind of how they operated from the inside. And so I was like, oh, I like that name, went home, researched the trademark. It was available. So I thought, and so <laughs> went to trademark the brand. And then I got a letter from a judge in North Carolina that, oh, hey, there's somebody that has off the social grid trademark. Um, you can't use it because you're basically only taking one word out of their mark. And I was like, that's really lame. <laughs> you know, off the social grid, what's, you know, what's that all about? So I reached out to the guy and we negotiated and I bought, I bought his trademark off him and then trademarked off the grid also. <clears throat> and so that was kind of the beginning. I knew I can't, you can't just launch a brand with no followers, with no community, with no anything, hmm. you know, just friends, right. And create like pants and, you know, jackets and these cut and sew products where you're going to have to make 800, a thousand units of something, yep. you know, to be able to, to supply that. And so I started out just making t-shirts and hats and hanging out and going to freaking chili cook off and, you know, <laughs> Super Bowl parties of friends that I just yeah. knew, like they were just all off-roaders. And so it's kind of like, Hey, here's the brand. Here's what I'm doing. <clears throat> and like started to go to like bigger events. Temecula off-road nights was a local one. I mean, growing up in Southern California, thankfully there's so many events in that, in that location, right. right. In that area. And so, I mean, I remember going to King of Hammers in 2014, I think, or no, it was 12, 2012. And, and selling t-shirts out of a backpack, just talking to people and hanging out. And like, that's where I met Justin at Factor 55. Mm -hmm. I met, you know, a couple other industry guys. <clears throat> God, excuse me. Sorry. You're good. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, we camped with the Rebel Off-Road guys. So kind of got to meet some of the industry folks there and, and just kind of started growing relationships. Um, I think that's what's hard for people a lot of times is they think like, if you just, and I, even people will tell me, you know, back in the day, oh, just take this out there. You'll kill it. You'll sell out of everything. Right. Right. And people will always say that. Right. Cause they see the idea. They think it's great, but the reality is, is that that doesn't compel people to buy. Mm. And so being out there and you have to be a part of community, like there has to be a reason beyond, Hey, I've got cool stuff or Hey, it's, I have a cool name or whatever you have. Right. Um, 
that gets people to connect with your brand, right? They have to start to get to know who you are. Like, what are you about? Well, why is your brand like, why should I support your brand? Cause that's what people are doing when they, when people buy something from you, they're supporting what you believe in as well, you know? And they're kind of even saying like, Hey, I believe in what you believe mm. and I want to support you. Here's my money. Yeah. They get something in return, but at the same time, like there's a, a connection there. And so, you know, I did that for four years straight of just social media, like meeting people, retagging, reposting, going to events, like getting to know people <clears throat> and, and pounding the pavement and just getting the brand out there, you know, selling stuff. I literally on my lunch break have a trunk full of, of, you know, stuff that I needed to ship out, drive to the post office, ship mm -hmm. it on my lunch break, and then go back to work. You yeah. know, it was like every day, just kind of like at night, I'd get home from work, I'd pack stuff up, I'd be de-weeding <laughs> vinyl <laughs> stickers out, and, you know, getting those ready to ship. And man, it was just, it was just a hustle. So, but I loved it. And, and I love that community. So that's why I wanted to just keep pushing. Do you feel like there's, uh, in, over the course of that period of time, because you, you've worked for major brands before, do you feel like there has been a change in the, the consumer where the things that you mentioned about the, when they buy your product, when they wear your name on their hat or on their shirt or on their pants, has that be because they believe in your product, because they believe in what you're doing, because they, they associate your brand with, with things that they associate themselves with, do you think that's changed? It feels like... I don't want to say the eighties or the nineties or there was decades where it was like you bought the brand because it was the brand, you know, they, they were the, the, the iconic images of whatever it was at the time, whether it was Nike, whether it was, you know, Jinko jeans or Jabot, you know, whatever it happened to be like, right. you, you bought, you bought into it because it was this thing that you wanted to maybe because, you know, vested interest yourself, but you're like, oh, I, I need to have this because this is the, the glowing beacon of what, what hip is and what in is where nowadays it feels like, and maybe social media does tie into that where the consumer base has more of an, uh, an option when they go out and they say, I'm going to go and do my diligent research or see what people that I, I have interest in are wearing because if they believe in it, maybe I believe in it. Do you think there was a, a change in kind of the consumer uh, maybe and how social media maybe played into that, that alteration of their, their buying habits? Sure. I mean, I, and that's where I would say, you know, I got extremely lucky in launching the brand when I did, um, because previously you would have to go build out a sample line of cut mm -hmm. and sew products, right? You'd have to have a sales team go to a trade show and, and get it in front of all these buyers, right? right. <clears throat> and the reality is now you can just put that stuff online. Like you build your own website, you have your own social media, you do your own promotion, you meet people, right? Then they follow you directly and they can buy from you directly. And so that has really changed things a lot. One, it's flooded the marketplace with just a lot of stuff, yeah. um, which is good and bad. Um, <laughs> it's great because you have options, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's funny when I tell people I own a, a clothing brand, you know, it's like they almost pat you on the head and go, oh, good for you, you know, sport, you know? Right. When do like, you, you grow up and get a real job? When does that happen? Right. right? Yeah. Right. It's like, well, I've been doing this for 20 years now, you know, like, and it's, you know, I, I try and create product that I think people will really like mm -hmm. and, and enjoy and that it serves them. And so <clears throat> the great thing is, is people have options, yeah. right? And that they don't have to go to the local big box store. They don't have to go, you know, to these places to, to buy their gear anymore. They, they, 
But at the same time, you need to give them an experience, right? right? Like buying something, there has to be experience regardless, you know? And I think that that's the great thing nowadays too, is like, there's less influence on the malls, right? Where it's mm. a giant white box full of racks of crap. Yeah. Where now it's like, man, companies, you roll yourself direct consumer online and then you open a few stores, right? I, I was so stoked to be able to open our store in Escondido because it gives you a place to showcase how you want your brand to be represented, like mm. what it truly means to you in a physical space, right? And so that's the great thing about social media and influencers as well, right? That can be a dirty word, but at the same time, like you're aligning yourself with people that have influence in the community to help promote your, your brand and you help promote them as people. <clears throat> and so I look at them as uh, athletes, right? Yeah. In action sports, it's like you would go get the best athlete, like rip curl. Uh, okay. We've got, you know, Dane Reynolds or, mm. We want to go after Mick Fanning, right? Or whoever it is, right? Even smaller guys, like you want people to have influence in their community um, because you're creating a vibe around that that family that you now have built of athletes um, that that help push you out into culture more than you could yourself, right? Right. And so that's how I view kind of we call them instigators, we don't call them influencers, mm. and uh, you know we. It really is like a family. Uh, there's so many people that hit us up all the time and are just like, hey, how can I get some gear? And it's like, well, <clears throat> the, the problem is I don't know you, right? <laughs> and the reality is, is I work with people that I know or come to get to know mm -hmm. or that I know somebody knows them because you're going to be representing me and my brand, you know, that feeds, you know, three families. And I don't just give stuff away to anybody who asks for it. Like, even if you've got a rad build, like, that's great. I don't, you might be a kind of a total jack wagon in your community. <laughs> and, and I don't want that to be represented with my company. And so I think a lot of people don't realize kind of the, the, the importance of community, the importance of uh, how you portray yourself and, and how you are within a group of people online and even like at, you know, a lot of shows. Right. And so we work with people that we get to know and that we become friends with and that we align with, you know, in life. And that's just the reality. And, and that's the great part about it is, man, I've been so blessed and lucky to meet some of the greatest people in the community, period. Like, Justin at Factor 55, one of the first people I got to meet, one of the best dudes, period, like that I've ever met. Marco Hernandez, you know, Overland X is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. And so Yeti and YOLO, you know, I, I met those two before they even knew each other, nice. <clears throat> which is wild. Like we all had our little Instagram pages and like, I think we're all around like 300 to a thousand followers at the time we met. And it's just been crazy to watch them grow and like, you know, be together and, and it's fun. It's really fun. So, and that's what creates, you know, you get introduced to someone else and, you know, they, they talk about the brand of somebody so that um, they hit you up like, Hey, uh, Yeti and Yellow reached out to me. They said, you know, I really love your stuff. I got to see them wearing it. Like, I'd love to, you know, check it out. Cool. Like send me, you know, what you're all about, you know, mm -hmm. give me, let's, let's kind of, Let's communicate for a little while first before, you know, let's start this relationship slow. 
and go from there. I I love the instigator. I think that because of the industry that, that you're in, that you, that is your lifestyle. It's almost, I want to say the opposite of influencer, but I think the, the, the term influencer, you you think of like, here's a pretty girl and she just gets up and looks this (laughs) way and people send her stuff. You know, but, you know, you talk about Yadin Yolo, you talk about Baby Yoda, the, the people that you have involved. I mean, the lifestyle that, that you lead, that I lead, that they lead, isn't what society would consider. That's what people go and do when they want to have a good time. They want to like, lose cell phone reception. Right. They, want to, they want to sleep in a tent under the stars. I mean, we have, we have you know, friends of ours that are like, we went on this, uh, we do this thing called Epic Willie's Adventure. So we take 1940s to 60s oh, yeah. Willie's Jeeps, and we, we just go off grid basically for two weeks and we were preparing to go onto the Oregon trail back in August. And a friend of ours was over for dinner. It was right before my birthday. And they're like, why would you do that? Like, why, <laughs> like voluntarily, why would you go into that? I'm like, until you're in a moment. And I think I had a couple of those moments on this last trip, you know, sleeping under the stars under Mount hood. And you're like, oh. this is why. Yeah. So hundred percent, the instigator part of it is, Yes, they have influence because whether they're following, but you are following people who live this lifestyle that it doesn't really live inside the confines or the, the you know the chalk outline of what life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be easy and convenient, and it's you know you, you always have full bars and five G. But the right. people that you're you're talking about, you know, your instigators, they're out doing crazy wild things and just living life to what I would call living at the fullest, and most of the time, to to coin a phrase living it off the grid. So I love the, I love the instigator right. versus influencer uh, uh, vernacular. Cause I think, I think it is, I think it's appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, you know, and a lot of them instigate a lot of shenanigans <laughs> when we're around. So, I mean, that's the fun part is, you know, that's why I love going to events. And I mean, it was rough last year, not being able to go to events. And this year has been awesome. Cause it's like seeing all your old friends again yeah. that, you know, you rally up at these different events, but yeah, I remember when Yeti and Yolo, they lived off the grid for in their Jeeps. I mean, I was like, man, you guys are nuts. <laughs> like, I love doing this, you know, like on the weekends and going out and right. like going on a real adventure. But you live an adventure and like, good on you. So it was that was rad um, to see them do that for a while. But I know Yeti wanted to get his hand back around a hammer and start building stuff again. So yeah. any, it's, it's any, cool any, there transition. Anytime I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see like either a flamethrower or something being beaten, I'm like, that's probably Yeti. And, uh, right. <laughs> giant flamethrowers and stuff. Now, but when you, to, to jump back into kind of your, the origin story of, 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 of you starting off the grid, you know, there was a moment. And again, I talked about obstacles and we kind of opened. Uh, the things that you had to do, pounding the pavement, you know, selling things out of the trunk of your car, drove into the post office on, on your lunch break to, to ship all those things out. When they start to recognize you, like, oh, and you just you kind of toss your stuff up on, <laughs> on the counter. But, but yeah. there, was, there was a point, and I don't know the exact details of it, but where there was an, some cash was had in hand and you were ready to make, you know, a, a big step in the direction of making this your, your primary gig. And the magic internet fairies, dipped in yeah. and, and took that money what what is the story about the uh was it like 10 10 grand or something that was magically yep. deliciously yep. banished yeah so i finally got to the point um i was working for a company at the time and we did a lot of licensing where 
we would have your brand and we would create all your product for you and sell it for you. And then you would just pay a licensing fee or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So I worked with a bunch of brands at the time and my boss, I had kind of talked to my boss about off the grid. Um, in fact, even trying to talk them into possibly partnering with me on it. Um, and that didn't work out, but my boss really liked me. And so she was like, Hey, why don't you reach out to some of the factories <clears throat> and see if you can get some samples made. And I was like, dude, that would be amazing. So started down that process, got samples made from that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do an Indiegogo campaign, um, do crowdfunding, see if we can, you know, if, if the community wants this, then, then they'll back it. Right. And so did that still didn't know squat about, you know, marketing, paid ads, any of that stuff. <clears throat> and so I did the Indiegogo campaign all on my own was doing like trying to do boosted posts, I guess, which wasn't even really working very well. And uh, we did okay. We did, we raised like 14 grand, hmm. um, <clears throat> which was enough to get production started. So at the time, especially being a small new brand, your factories give you terms of like, Hey, you have to give us 30% up front. And then when it hits the docks, before we even send it to you, you got to pay us the final 70%. Hmm. And so you're like, okay. Woo. So <laughs> That Indiegogo campaign luckily raised enough for the initial, um, for then some, the initial buy, like deposit down, and then some of the, the final cost too. Um, and so we started production. And then at the end of production, right, and we get the delivery, we had, we had a payment we had to make of around 10 grand. And I've been kind of messaging back and forth in the factory on when stuff was coming in and when I could get it. And. I didn't have the money. And so <clears throat> I had reached, I had asked my mom like, Hey, can I take a loan from you and, and borrow this money? I need, I need this left. And she believed in me at the time and, mm. and still does, <laughs> but um, you know, she really believed in the, in the idea and, and the brand. And so she loaned me the money and I flew out to, I was still working for uh, another brand at the time. And I had to fly out to um, Colorado for over, over uh, outdoor retailer. <clears throat> and so I was going to wire the money as soon as I got there so that they could release the goods. And I had been emailing back and forth with them on the financial stuff. And I got this email of like new financial, de like new banking details. And I was like, oh, okay, that's weird, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I wired the money to that new banking details and, um, you know, go about my day. I'm at, I have to work, you know, I'm at, you know, this trade show and I fly back that night. I'm, I'm with my, my two um, business partners at the time and called the factory. One of them wasn't my business partner yet, but uh, I called the factory and I was like, Hey, you know, just want to make sure you got the wire. Like, are you going to release the goods, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, uh, we didn't, we didn't receive any money. And I was like, Oh, what? I was like, what do you mean? Like you didn't receive any money. And then first I thought like, did they steal the money? And then, um, I was like, well, here's the, here's the email. Here's the banking details. They're like that, that wasn't from us. And I went and I looked, and if you looked at each of the email names, it was all the exact same email addresses. There was just an underscore in each one that they had added and copied into that email thread and started messaging me. And so that money was gone. When you do international wire, you have like an hour, I think. Um, and when you're dealing with, overseas right they're not even there right. and so uh thankfully at the time uh my buddy 
Bobby, who was starting to run ads for us and was seeing this great response, um, was like, you know what? I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I'll loan you the money. Um, he loaned me the money, which I paid him back in like, I think with all the sales we did, I paid him back in a couple of weeks, wow. which was good. But um, here's the funny story, right? So that happened. We got we got everything in. Bobby had loaned me the money. I, I mean, I still owe my mom ten grand today. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pay her back. So sorry, mom. Sorry, sorry, mom. Um, it's coming. Checks in the mail. <laughs> and so, yeah, she's been super understanding. Um, so anyway, I I have a uh, I'm right. I'm still dealing with the same factory. Um, we still I still do a lot of products with them. And just recently, um, I had some money I needed to wire to them. And I get this email that's like, oh, hey, um, just wanted to confirm uh, these new banking details, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking and I'm like, <laughs> Bank of Dubai, like, get the hell out of here. I was laughing. I, I screenshotted it and I sent it back to our factory. Because now I always confirm. It's like, right. I get an email on bank details. I go on WhatsApp and I was like, hey, man, like, got an email from you, I think. Like, is yeah. this correct? Like, I want to confirm this over the phone, make sure we're good. And so I was laughing. I played with them actually for a little bit. I was like, oh, really? Um, I'm going to go reach out to Donnie and just confirm these details um, with, with him and see what he says. And they're like, oh, no, he said it was totally fine. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, we know Donnie. We like, go way back. It's crazy that there's, you know, three years later, this still pulling the same scam, which I guess happens quite a bit, um, actually. And so, yeah, it was wild, man. That was, that was devastating. Um, one, I borrowed money from my mom that I now couldn't pay back. Mm. Um, I had to find more money um, to pay for this thing to get product that I'd already sold right through Indiegogo. Right. Um, and so, I mean, that was one of the first times where I was like, oh, well, this ain't going to work. Um, but we made it happen and, you know, kept rolling. And honestly, there's been countless times um, that, you know, not that, but, you know, other things will happen, you know, production issues. Yeah. I mean, our third version of the pants, we were working with a new tech designer and one of our Harley reps had told us like, Hey, um, it's so funny. When I, I think people think we're such this big company. Right. Um, I'm going to post this photo of, of uh, the three of us that work for off the grid um, full time <laughs> and send it out for Christmas to be like, Hey everybody, Merry Christmas or happy new year from the off the grid team. And like, <laughs> here's, a, here's all of us. Right. We have contractors and stuff like that right. as well, but dude, we are a very small, lean and mean team. Um, a very small business still. Um, and I'm just super grateful for them. They're amazing. Lauren and, um, Ali now, um, who was from Casey highlights, uh, just joined the team recently. So, but, um, one of our reps was like, Hey, you know, there's kind of like a gapping issue in the back, whatever. So we worked, you know, with this tech designer <clears throat> to fix that issue. And the way she did it wasn't, the correct way. And so what happened was, is it made the waist an inch bigger on every single one. And so we do pre-order, right? So everything came in in one to two sizes too big. And so we had shipped everything and <clears throat> all these people that pre-ordered were like, now we're getting all these returns. And we're like, Shh, like, what are we going to do? Like, is this it? Like we had been waiting nine months for this inventory to come in because we'd sold out of the second version so fast. And like I got during that nine months, I got my car repossessed. Like we had no product to sell. So it was like, I'm 
we're trying to slang tees, hats, and shirts. I, I just quit my job, you know, and the factory's like, dude, we can't get you new stuff for till July. And I was like, what? July? It's, it's, I think it was November at the time. I was like, I don't, we're sold out. Like, we don't have any product to sell. That's no revenue. That's no nothing. Right. And they're like, yeah, man, I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, buckle up. <laughs> so, dude, that was, uh, that first year was pretty wild. Um, and so my poor wife, uh, yeah, I'm sitting there one night and, and my wife's like, there's a truck with like a tow thing towing your car. And I was like, sweet. So, so I guess yeah. that, that saves, anyway. saves on gas money, I guess. They just, they just, yeah, they seriously. Have it for you. good thing I work from home. Uh, <laughs> just walk, walk to my office. No, I think, you know, yeah. all the, all those, the tribulations and trials that you have to go through. In a, in a startup, in a business, when when again you you have a, a team that's that's three people deep, there there's so many avenues, there's so many exit ramps for you during that. You know, the right. ten grand, the you know the pants order, and I'm sure there's been a multitude of other things that come up, and they're like, well, I guess sorry, the, I'm, I hear the food service industry is hiring. Like you know, there, there's yeah, like, right. there's moments that it's so. The average, the person who is like, it sounds really cool to have your own apparel company. It sounds really cool to have your own business. Like, I want to be my own boss. I'm going to do cool stuff. And I know what fashion, I know. But there are so many opportunities when, when shit hits the fan and you're like, you know, throw the papers in the air. All right, well, I guess uh, that, that was a fun adventure. But I think what separates brands like yours from, from others that are out there is when that, when that stuff happens, you you know, you find a way, you know, and, it, and it's not yep. great. It's not glamorous. It's not glorious. It's not, it's not fun You're, as you watch your vehicle go down the road. Like, uh, but to, to right. stick with it because, because you believe in it, because, you know, your team believes in it. And because you have obviously a, a client base that is like, they will stick with you. They're like, dude, yep. we're like, we're on your team here. You know, we'll get through this, but, yep. but it, that's, that's like the next level stuff. That's what, you know, living life on your own terms really is about as you go. Right. Didn't expect that. Would have been nice if that didn't happen, but I believe in what I'm doing. So I'm going to continue down this path, kind of, you know, that come hell or high water, you know, however, the, however right. rough the seas may be. Yep. Perseverance, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, small business have, you know, phases, right? You have startup, you have perseverance, then you have profitability, then you have scalability, mm-hmm. and then you have like basically exit at that point but perseverance phase which we're still in you know as a company is it's exactly that like you're persevering you're overcoming you're figuring out cash flow you're yeah. you know bootstrapping loans to get i mean especially we're bootstrapped as it comes you know for a business, small business like no major outside investment you know we've been tagging things together and luckily there's great like merchant loans we've been able to get out there now mm. to keep you know help fund the growth of the business but man yeah it's it's wild it's a wild ride and uh we have great coaches we have business coaches that we work with Mm -hmm. that are you know massively helpful that you know there's there's just a lot of things like daily having daily disciplines right like meditating journaling i mean there's so many days that you literally get up and you're just like right like one of those days happens and you're just the next day you're like i don't i don't know how i'm gonna go sit in front of my computer today Right. Like, and be able to focus, you know, without my gears grinding to a halt, like trying to figure this problem out. 
but then you pick up the phone, you call some, Hey man, like I'm dealing with this issue. Oh, I, you know, I, I had something similar like that happen. Why don't you try this, this, or this, or have you thought about this? Right. They give you the space to, to breathe and, and kind of come up with ideas to, to keep pushing forward because I mean, there's definitely days where you're just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Right. Like, I don't know what to do today. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And then, man, you do, you know, and, and, and that's what, like you said, like living life on your own terms, mm. like that's what you have to do. Like, there's no security blanket. There's no net to fall into. Like it's all or nothing. Like you just got to keep going. <clears throat> and I think it's so important to have, to have those people, especially when you, you know, when you invest, you know, whether that's in a business coach or whether that's in a life coach, you know, or uh, you're, you're part of a coaching group, however that works out. Meditation is, you know, I think is a key thing too. a lot of people, you know, you, you start throwing the word meditation around. They're like, Oh yeah, hippie. Yeah. All right. Mm, namaste. <laughs> yeah. You're like, right. It's about more than that. Especially when you, know, right. you understand having such a small team, that means that you have less people to, to hold all the bandwidth in. You know, there's there's yep. so many different things from the marketing to the product to customer service, sales, events, everything that you guys are a part of. But to have right. that moment in meditation where you're like, there is there is some there is a sense of normalcy and I can kind of compartmentalize everything. But having people that you can go, this is happening. And you feel right. like maybe at the moment, there's no way that somebody has had their money in a wire transfer confiscated by an underscore in the email address. And somebody goes, right. Yeah, that's happened, and uh, you know you just kind of got to either bail or you, or you suck up and get through it. So it's so important, I think, to have to have your roots grounded in, in connecting with people around you uh, with meditation. And, and how does routine factor into your day? Do you have kind of a you know your, your schedule looks like okay? I, I know that in the morning I'm going to get up and do this, and I have these things to do. Do you have are you a pretty strict stick to the schedule kind of guy? Ish. Yes and no. Yeah. So there, there is a set amount of things that I have to do every day. Mm -hmm. Um, this year, my word for the year in 2022 is discipline. Um, so like, yes, I get through those things every day, Mm -hmm. but they're not as like scheduled routine as I would like. And so for next year, that's my focus is getting them in a, a very tight routine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's four core things, right? It's body being balance and business. So mm-hmm. body is exercise and drink a green juice. Being is meditate and journal, mm-hmm. um, balances wife and kids, right? So sending them notes, uh, communicating with them every day, like giving them gratitude, like, Hey, thank you. Connecting. Um, and business is learn something new every day. And then you got to declare, you know, one of those things, right. Or even creating, um, there's other things called like, uh, RGAs, revenue generating activities. Like mm-hmm. what are three RGAs today that I can do? And, um, and so those are like must do's every day. And w- when you get them done. So with our group, they're like, those have to, those should be done before you start your day. Like mm-hmm. period, like take two hours in your morning, figure it out, get the frick up early. Yep. You know, David Goggins, like <laughs> stop being such a punk and yeah. get up and get to work. Jo- Jock, so look at, look at, just go wake up and look at Jocko's watch. <laughs> And be like, oh, right. I sucked. I, I, I didn't wake up till five today. I suck at life. Right. And so being a creative, though, I mean, that's it's really difficult for me. I'll be honest. Um, and so that's one of the things that I strive, you know, to get better at. 
um, the other thing is time blocking. So mm-hmm. like it's basically creating a budget in your weekly, weekly calendar for all your time. So even blocking out like, hey, I'm going to set aside like two hours for meetings on Tuesday afternoon and Thursday afternoon for random people. Like if somebody hits me up on an email or call and like, hey, can we have a meeting? It's like, yes, I have time between Tuesday this time to this time or Thursday this time to this time, right? You can kind of bucket them. Yep. You don't even have to think about it. Mm. And then you have your other meetings in there. And then I create two different chunks. Um, so every morning I have to work on our cash flow. Like finances are, are really tight with us. So mm. like every morning I get up, I download our bank statement. I go into our cash flow document and I input all the data. How much did we spend yesterday? How much came in yesterday? How much is going out this week? You know, where are we at? Are we jacked next week? Like, am I going to have to push a bill out for a week? Like, how's that going to work? Um, and then I do uh, GSDs or get get stuff done, <laughs> to put it I got politely. You. I got you. Get, get stuff done, and then I'll have like notes within there of like, you know, I have my checklist of like, all right, here's everything you need to get done. Like focus on the important ones, the urgent and important, and go from there. And then I have creative time. So, and I block those in, right? Yeah. Like creative time is, you know, free thinking. It's maybe designing something. Maybe it's me looking through blogs, you know, Maybe I have to go. I go back and meditate again because I got so jacked up in, you know, trying to deal with cash flow and getting <laughs> everything done in the morning. I got to get my headspace back together. Yeah. So, those things are really and scheduling in your family time, yeah. right? Like that's super important. And again, something I'm I'm weak at and need to grow in. But that's another massive thing. Like making sure your family time is is scheduled in, and and you know when your kids have sports when and it's yeah. not just like well there are games at five. It's Hey, at four thirty, I'm leaving the house. You know, yeah. so I got to schedule that time in so that I don't overflow, like overflow into that. And so, I mean, that's the big thing for me is is yeah, that time blocking and like really budgeting my time during the week um, to make sure like I'm effective and mm-hmm. and getting as much done as I possibly can. What did, what advice do you give people that ask you? Uh, you know. I think the world is full of a, a lot of creative people, and I think social media has has highlighted has highlighted a lot of those. It's given a lot of people opportunity to be able to express that um, in that in that context. But someone says, you know, I have this idea, and I'm thinking about starting a business, and they come to you, Josh, and they're like, "Give me, give me like one good piece of advice for somebody who's like, I have an idea. You know, how do they take that idea from concept or, or may, advice and or warnings like you know check check the email address uh from where things get sent but what what do you tell people when they ask you like you know where where do you where to start where to begin and just pieces of advice you you hand off um because like we've talked about it's not idea and look now i have my mansion and life is good i'm scrooge mcduckin yeah (laughs) these are my pennies now yeah i mean for one thing i tell people is how like how important is this to you? Hmm. Like this idea, is this like a fun thing or is this like, this can change my life thing. Cause then that's going to separate the two. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, if this is just like a fun novelty idea that you, you know, so many people come up with like, Oh, I had this idea for a t-shirt. It's like, have you been to Spencer's gifts or <laughs> freaking, yeah. you know, any of these other places? Like a lot of people have a lot of ideas for t-shirts. Hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of like how, hard are you willing to work to make this happen period Mm -hmm. 
Like, and do you have the time to do it? And do you have the knowledge to do it? Basically, you know, a lot of people want to start. I mean, I had a guy at a show just recently, like, oh yeah, I have this idea for apparel brand. And I was like, okay, what is it? And it was a name. And I was like, well, what are you going to make? Well, you know, clothes. And I was like, well, like what kind, you know? Well, oh, I don't know. I'll just find some and like, we'll just put the brand on it, you know? And I think, I mean, I'm, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of people think that way where it's just like, I just have a great name. I'll just put the brand on whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. I can find some semi-cool stuff and mm-hmm. I'll just sell it. And it's just like, man, there's so much good. There's so much good clothing if we're being specific, but I think in a lot of arenas, yeah. um, because there is a lot of creative people, really good people, like yeah. good people that are really good designers, really, you know, that have honed their craft, that have worked for other brands, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I, that's what I would, if you've never done the thing that you're talking about doing, go find a company that already does it yeah. and go intern or go work there. Because if you've never done that before, you have no idea the pitfalls that are about to attack you, you know, because you, you don't understand the process um, from going to idea to success. Yeah. Right. And, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to, to have, like, to be humble about that and know like, oh man, like if this is a dream of mine and I want it to last, I need to understand this better. Right. Who are my, who's my competition? Who am I going after? Is there a niche I'm in? Like, what are, who's going to make this for me? Right. How am I going to market it? What does that look like? What's my budget? How much is it going to cost for my first run of products? How long do I have to sell this before I go broke? Am I putting it on a credit card? Is, you know, do I got a rich uncle that's going to give me some cash? <laughs> right. Like, what does that look like? <clears throat> and then the next thing I tell people to focus on is Focus on your margins and your profitability. Because that's one of the things that we definitely are finding out later now. Like we, we really need to hone in on on our budgeting and making sure that we're budget our money well, that we have a clear understanding of how much we're buying versus how much we're selling in a season. Like, you know, we've overbought a few times and that's hamstrung us a little bit because you're still paying on product that's sitting in a warehouse somewhere that you're paying rent for that and it's just sitting around and so then you're you know off pricing it or selling it and that hurts you know you're not making as much money as you could off that product and you know it it can it can start to bog down on you and so you got to give people the reality of like really how much do you think you can sell right you know and focus on that number and then go hammer that like that's your goal put it up on the wall like i'm going to sell this many of this in this many right when you create a goal you have to have it has to be measurable attainable and you know there has to be a timeline attached to it yeah so it's like yeah. Be, I mean, be, and being involved, you know, if, if you if you can find a business that that is working in what you your desire is to have your own of, obviously with your own twist on it, but understanding, and I'm sure you went through this too. Like, it's not just the price of something. Like, it's the price right. of something. It's the price of the packaging. It's the price of the label. It's the price of the shipping. It's the price of the warehouse. Right. It, like. I, and I went through that experience when we, we launched the beard stuff. I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it's like, you know, we're, it's like $4 for a thing. And then I'm like, oh, then it's $1.29 for the jar. And then it's, uh, and the labels are, uh, I'm like, oh, profit margin. Now I under, like, yeah. you, you really have to, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I'm guessing you probably went through a lot of, you had some experience in the industry, so you, you had an understanding of it, but when you're looking at it and it's right. your money that is invested, you're like, oh yeah, right. I, I, maybe we do have to not just go, uh, that right. label company, that packaging, you have to do some, right. know, become a diligent researcher in, in, in what's out there and what's available to it. But uh, we, we kind of talked about how 2021 was the kind of return of getting to events. I, I, I saw you guys in passing out at SEMA this year, uh, which was so nice to see human beings back and interacting, especially in that environment, because the enthusiasm in the building, even though it was a little more spread out because of, of the new hall out there, but 2021 was the return of events and getting out and getting in front of people. What are you, what are you most anticipating and looking forward to in, uh, in 2022 um, as far as the industry goes, as far as your, your brand goes, um, you know, any big uh, plans for the new year to, uh, to go next level on stuff? Yeah. So for 2022, we have, well, even just, just for spring, we have a few new products launching, which I'm really excited about. Um, so our, our woven shirts have now become kind of a staple for people. And this, this is kind of what happens with, because of, we have a very unique pocketing system um, and kind of features and, and what we do, but, and we keep them consistent, right? Yeah. So like we find something that works, we make sure we consistently use it because people are habitual, right? Where you keep yeah. things, where you have stuff. And so new woven shirt, a plaid, um, lightweight, like travel shirt, um, that I think is going to be super rad. Our Thunderbolt relaunch, um, which that was a really popular shirt, um, that we kind of bought sizing. We bought the sizing a little wrong in it. So we had a bunch of these random sizes left over. Um, and so we, we were able to refine that in great new color palettes, new color in the trailblazer pant, which I'm excited about <clears throat> a new hybrid short. So the new over and out short, I'm really stoked on um cool fabric you know still has the mag pockets right like i'm not going to make anything that doesn't have mag pockets ever again <laughs> um and so stoked on the new product line really excited to have Ali on the team uh, that came from casey highlights yeah. uh and i mean he used to work for 511 tactical as well and so his knowledge of marketing um this kind of whole um approach this um kind of global approach to marketing is is pretty amazing um, so just seeing him unleashed uh, with the brand and creating community with the influencers we have and then the new ones that we're, we're looking to, you know, kind of come to an agreement on or, or hang out with this year and get yeah. to know them. Um, that one's going to be great. Racing King of Hammers is going to be pretty wild. Yeah. So looking forward to that. I mean, I'm not where I want to be um, prep wise or <laughs> or even personally for that. I'm, it's really kind of. <laughs> starting to bear down on me right now. Uh, but I, I think that'll be awesome, you know, to get that started and, and see where we go with that. Um, we've got some other big news. It's kind of behind the scenes, which kind of waiting to come to fruition. Uh, my goal hopefully is to hire more people this year. Um, so, you know, we have been a really, really lean team. And so, uh, that's kind of one of my focuses going into next year is, is, identifying those key hires um, to bring on and, and help kind of carry the load of the brand um, so that we can do things really well um, with excellence. You know, we've kind of had to not cut corners, but not do it at the level that I would like. Mm. Um, and even the team, um, I think the team would like to do things. They'd like to be able to spend a little bit more time on certain parts of the, the process. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think we're gonna have a big fall line um, this year. Um, as well. So 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I changed up our buying cadence a little bit, mm. um, kind of spread things out and, and did more deliveries um, this year, which I'm looking forward to. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot, I, you know, there's just, there's a lot going on. My business partner is, you know, he, he exited the brand um, just recently to, to go back to kind of start a new endeavor for himself. And so that kind of freed me up to take over the reins again and um, really kind of push the vision of, of what I see off the grid being going forward. Um, so I'm that I'm really fired up. I've always been there, you know, casting the vision and dealing with the product and stuff. Right. But I think, having the, the ability from the, the, the top to lead and, and cast vision and just really spend the time to say, this is where, you know, this is where off the grid is, but this is where I see us going in the next five to 10 years. And, and really rallying the team around that idea and, and getting them excited about what we're doing, which they, they absolutely are. It's been pretty fun to see. So, yeah, that's kind of where things are at right now. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, again, discipline, right? So, yeah you know, disciplining myself next year to kind of routine things a little bit more and, and kind of focus and, and, but with fun, I, I feel like I'm a pretty fun guy being a creative as well. Like, yeah. I mean, all the brands I've worked for, we either had skate parks or we would surf at lunch or whatever. <laughs> so that's always been kind of my mentality. Keep it light, have fun. Like, yes, what we're doing is it's a business and there are serious aspects to it, but the reality is, is we do this because it love it and it yeah. should be fun. So at the end of the day, if we're not having fun, it doesn't make sense. Absolutely, man. Well, Josh, thank you for the time, man. I appreciate hearing hearing the stories and uh, and, and and your perspective on things and, and the journey. And I think there's there's so many great messages uh, in the last hour that we talked about. So those who are listening, who who have ideas or have concepts or are in the middle of it, and and, and all of a sudden you see that exit ramp. Uh, Josh has experienced many of them and, and was able to keep it on the <laughs> yeah. rails um, and, and obviously have a lot of forward momentum going into the next year. But I look forward to it. I have a feeling that at some point in 2022, we're going to cross paths, whether it's uh, one Absolutely. of the, the many shows we'll be at or, the, or, or SEMA next year. But uh, And my buddy races uh, King of the Hammers, too, so maybe there's one of those events that will end up. Uh, Patrick Peterson is my, 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 okay. bearded, my bearded brethren. Um, who races. Awesome. And, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be out, man. Congratulations. Uh, OffTheGridSurplus.com is the website and uh, and also on the social media, so make sure you guys check them out and follow them. And, and Josh, Happy New Year, and, uh, and we'll definitely be in touch, my yeah. friend. Take care of yourself and my best to the family. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, and Happy New Year to you too, man. Take it easy. Awesome. Thank you so much for checking out episode number 85 from the Captain's Quarters podcast. Remember to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you are listening. Leave us a review. And the biggest thing you can do to help the show grow is to share it with your family and friends, especially if you took any nuggets of information out of here and you're going to use them to better your life. That is what it's all about. Spreading the word, which you can do. Share it on your social medias. That would be huge. Thanks.